0: The Holy Gospel according to Saint Matthew the 22nd chapter Glory to you, o Lord. Then the Pharisees went and plotted to entrap Jesus in what he said So they sent their disciples to him along with the Herodians saying Teacher we know that you are sincere and teach the way of God in accordance with the truth and show deference to no one for you do not regard people with partiality Tell us then what you think. Is it lawful to pay taxes to the emperor or not? But Jesus, aware of their malice, said, Why are you putting me to the test, you hypocrites? Show me the coin used for tax. And they brought him a denarius. Then he said to them, Whose head is this and whose title? They answered, The emperor's. Then he said to them, Give therefore to the emperor the things that are the emperor's, and to God the things that are God's. When they heard this, they were amazed, and they left him and went away. This is the gospel of our Lord. Lord Please be seated. At this time, I offer the opportunity for all the young and the young at heart to come forward for a special message. his heart and said, Cyrus, you're going to be the Savior for my people. Alright? I'm going to bless you. You're going to be the one to be nice to them. You're going to set them free. You're going to let them go back home. You're not going to be Would you pray with me? Lord God, grant that your gospel be preached, that it be heard, and that it be lived from this time forth forevermore. All these things and all the things of our hearts we lift before you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. When you were kids... Did you ever get your hand caught in the cookie jar? You know, that moment when your parents walk in and they see that, you know, you're doing something you were told not to do. They specifically said you need to wait for that cookie until after supper is over with. In our text this morning, the Pharisees and the Herodians are trying to catch Jesus with his hand in the cookie jar. Even though he's done nothing wrong. You see, their question about paying taxes to the emperor, it, it comes with a price. You see, on the one hand, if Jesus says that the taxes are right, that they're lawful, well, then, you know, the people are not going to be too happy, right? It doesn't matter if it's today or if it's in the time of Luther and in the time of Jesus. Taxes are not a popular thing. But on the other hand, if Jesus says no, the tax is unlawful, Then the Herodians, this other group of people, a sect that are loyal to the emperor, loyal to Herod, who serves at the pleasure of the emperor. If Jesus says this tax is wrong, they're going to be right there to arrest him. This tax that was collected was used to line the emperor's pockets. And it was also used to pay off these territorial rulers like Herod to keep them happy so that they listened to what the emperor told them to do. So either way, Jesus has a target on his back. And these Pharisees and Herodians, they're ready to pull the trigger. What this text shows us is that in our life, we often walk a very fine line. There are times when no matter what we do, it feels like someone is out to get us. And what's more, like in today's text, it's often the two most unlikely parties that join together to make life miserable. The enemy of my enemy is my friend seems to be the logic that these Pharisees and Herodians used to join together to take down this teacher, to attack Jesus and trap him in what he was saying. This group of religious leaders, this group of uh, political followers of the king, their alliance today brings to question a lot of the things that we probably talk about in our daily life. God or Caesar? Church or state? And what do we believe? Is there really a separation between the two? Or does it end up like the relationship between these Pharisees and Herodians, one founded in deceit, wrapped up in a struggle for power, and intent on using any means possible to get what they want? Follow with me here for a minute. If we really and truly believe in a separation of church and state, think of how different our lives would be. Christians would not pay taxes, we would not serve in the military, we would not hold public office or be employed in any manner by the government or a government-run or subsidized corporation. Laws would not apply to Christians either to convict us of wrong or to protect us from the wrongdoing of others. We would not use banks because they're insured and regulated by a federal commission. The food, the medicine, things that we use day in and day out, we wouldn't be able to access because they're controlled and regulated and imported by our government. If we truly believe in a separation between all things church and all things state, Christians would not benefit from Social Security or Medicare or Medicaid. We would not benefit from local police or fire or ambulance services. Because they receive government funding. Contacting our legislators to lobby for this bill or that would be out of the question because we wouldn't even vote. Odds are we probably wouldn't even be able to access public roads or public utilities like sewer and water and electricity. All of this sounds very bleak, but as it stands today, we've... We've interpreted this notion of separation of church and state in a very comfortable and appeasing way that allows us to access all of these things, but also keep everything nice and tidy. We don't like for our church or our politics to mix so long as we uh, feel that my sermon doesn't criticize your particular political party or the government's attention isn't focused on our particular religious body this week. When I was a, a kid, my dad would take me to his barber, and we knew to be careful when we went around election time because this barber, um, he, was, he was old school. Uh, he used you know, a set of shearing scissors. He shaved with a straight razor, and he would talk, and he would talk, and he would talk. And if you brought up politics or religion, you would be there for an hour and a half with the apron around your neck and the scissors to your head. Year, just it wasn't good. We like to keep these things separate, but then on the other hand, we're very quick to say that God has blessed our country, blessed the way that we do things, and commissioned us to spread our value system across this world. Sometimes, if we're honest, without considering the consequences. In the news over the past two years, the NFL has taken a spotlight, not because of a change in regulation, but because of a protest started by one player during the national anthem. As many of you know from watching the news, it's a very controversial and very heated topic of discussion But did you know that a couple weeks ago during the Steelers-Ravens game that both teams joined together to offer a moment of prayer? Following the same line of protest, praying for an end to police brutality, praying for an end to the injustices in our world. And the crowd, when they took a knee to bow their heads and pray, booed them. What kind of a world do we live in? Where people scrutinize a civil protest and a religious appeal to God in the same breath. Are they really separate? In some ways, the way that we talk about church and state are very, very different. But they're the same in the matters that God has called them to address in this world. Step back in time a little bit, get out of something a little less current. During the 1500s, Germany was ruled by princes who governed different territories under the rule of one emperor. The Roman Catholic Church's jurisdiction covered all of this, of course. And the Pope was intrigued by this political scene because in a time where Germany was facing war on one end from the Muslim nations and on the other end from the French, the one who befriended the emperor was the one who possibly received the spoils of the war and the influence in that place. Three years after he published the 95 Theses, Luther wrote a letter entitled, To the German Nobility of the German Nations on the Reform of the Christian Estate. He wrote a letter to the princes that govern this land, appealing not only to his own prince, but to all of them. That they band together and use their resources to care for the subjects under their rule. For one of the programs that Luther advocated for was a public school system free of charge for anyone regardless of their wealth or their status. Think about that. In a day where only the wealthy were educated and only the wealthy boys for that fact, Luther said it is the government's job to educate And care for the richest of the rich, the poorest of the poor, male and female alike. 500 years ago. That was revolutionary. And he didn't appeal to these princes because they were Christians. Because you're a Christian, you should do this. He said because you're a prince, because you're a leader, because you've been charged with the protection of these people in your country. Care for them. Use your power, use your authority, use your resources to build up these people in every good thing. On the other side, he also appealed to these German princes relating to their interaction with the church. He offered himself and his worshiping community to the aid of these leaders, saying that their combined work together, their work to heal the sick, to comfort the poor... To be with the dying, these people would be supported by the church and the government tenfold than what either can do on their own. In other words, Luther was saying that because the church exists, it exists to serve all of God's people and help the government insofar as it looks to serve and care for and build up its citizens as a good and holy work. A little bit later in Luther's life when he was in exile and feared uh, for his life, some of his writings about the injustices of what was going on in his day, how the people were being overtaxed and not protected from these neighboring armies. It led the people to rise up and revolt and attack many of the noble people who were traveling in the land. Thousands were killed. And when Luther found that his writings were being used to justify this violence, he then wrote to the princes again and said, use whatever means necessary to stop this violence. Well, of course, our words carry weight, and those princes sent their armies and slaughtered hundreds of thousands of their own subjects. What Luther realized was that our words do carry weight, and in the lives of all people, there is no clear line distinguishing us between our life in Christ and our lives placed by God as travelers in this world. For Luther, there was no separation of church and state. It is all under the kingdom of God. Everything rests in the mercy of God of the God who calls us, who loves us, and who claims us. But the state and the church have the same mission, the same charge to be stewards of this world that God has given us. The difference is we've been given tools to carry out that same work. We are a church of people. A church in this world, a church in the societies and the communities that we live in, because God has placed us here to do something remarkable and extraordinary and revolutionary. When you come into church, I guarantee, because I do the same, that you're probably listening to the words that I use in the illustrations I pull to describe Scripture with an ear ...toward the politics of the day. Well, that sounds a little bit too much like a Democrat for me, or that's a little bit too close to the Republican Party line for my tastes. But I hope to keep you guessing, because the truth is, here, in this place, we are all part of the same party, children of God followers of the Lamb who was slain who takes away the sin of the world. That is what matters. I hope that when you step into the voting booth this November you don't try to rub that cross off your forehead that was placed there at your baptism because it goes with you everywhere you walk in this world. For Jesus, the answer is not one or the other, but both. Give to the emperor the things that belong to the emperor, but give to God also the things that belong to God. That word and is important because it shows that when we walk in this world, everything we do, everything we are, is touched by the hand of the God who saves us. Give to God all the glory, all the honor, all the worship and love that we have in our bodies, our souls, and our minds. And give these gifts to the people around us. To the neighbor who hungers. To the people in the streets who have no place to lay their head. Though he was talking to the Pharisees and the Herodians, his message for us, his followers, his church, is to live Live in this world to the fullest extent of who and what you are called to be. Children of God. And when it seems like people are trying to catch you with your hand in the cookie jar, just make sure the reason you're reaching in is not for yourself, but for the sake of the one who Jesus calls us to love. In the name of Christ. Amen. Thank you.